Good morning. Today's reading is from Luke 4, 14 to 21. So it's slightly different than in the bulletin. Yeah. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed a book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and a recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. And the eyes of everyone in the congregation was fixed on me. Slightly nerve-wracking. I haven't done this for a while. So um, good morning and welcome to you again. Uh, You'll see from the bulletin, my name's Trevor. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, I count as an old-timer-ish. Who's been here longer than me? Yeah, so it's, getting, it's, it's going down, it's going down. Um, who knows, I might be the longest standing member one day. I hope not, because I don't want these people to leave. Um, okay, so uh, behind you on the screen, in your bulletin, you'll see these three words. I think when I uh, sent it to Svetlana, she kind of sent me a quick WhatsApp message back saying, she was too nice to say, are you serious? But, you know, I inferred the meaning. Um, Without shouting out or saying anything, but do those three words mean anything to anyone here? I mean, I don't mean, does think mean anything to you, but in that format, does anybody know what they are? If you do, don't say anything. Okay, just curious. Um, So I'm not going to tell you what it's about right now. Um, So when we we knew that Drew was going to be away uh, for these two weeks... And apparently he does quite a lot on a Sunday. Um, it's come to light this morning. And, um, and I volunteered to speak. And Preston, who I hope is listening even though he's out counting money, um, because I'm about to acknowledge a Preston Pierce good idea, which is a moment to savour for all of us. Uh, he said, well, you could always talk about freedom. You know, we, last weekend we saw the celebration of 30 years since the fall of communism in the Czech Republic. Um, and I don't know how many of you saw the news coverage or were even uh, up on Letno on Saturday or down in uh, Václavska, Namnesti on Sunday itself. Or if you've seen any of the acknowledgement or the celebration of the 30 years of freedom, I think this was taken on Saturday. Um, looking out over Letna Plain, where, of course, many of the major demonstrations took place 30 years ago. And freedom. Uh, as I th- the more I thought about it, the more I thought about how important 
that word is, how much it resonates with us. Now, I'm just looking at our technical guys at the back. I've rather helpfully included a YouTube link. It's not working? Okay. You won't have to listen to YouTube, which probably would have just ended up being a Grammarly advert. Um, I don't know if any of you know uh, or recognise Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, where he put to music um, Friedrich Schiller's Ode to Joy. You know, the one that it's the EU national anthem. Not national, it's the EU anthem. Um, and it's a marvellously stirring piece of music. And when Schiller originally wrote the words to Ode to Joy, it started uh, Freude schöner Götterfunken. Yeah? Which, if you read German, I'm sorry, Henry, about my pronunciation. It's been many years. Um, it means, well, it's one of these things you can't really translate, but it means joy, Freude, that's clear, and then Götterfunken, we don't really have a word for that, but it means godly spark or godly lightning or something divine which flashes with amazing brightness. And uh, the video that you would have seen, you can look it up on YouTube, and the bit I was going to play comes at one minute, 13, one hour, sorry, 13 minutes, when Leonard Bernstein conducted a combined East German, West German orchestra and choir uh, in a performance of uh, Beethoven's Ninth, he switched that opening word to the chorus. So when the chorus comes in with almost a shout, they didn't come in with Freude, they came in with Freiheit, freedom. And this was performed in December 1989, the day before, on Christmas Day actually, the day before they performed it in what had been West, German, West Berlin. And on Christmas Day they performed it in what had been East Berlin. And you can only imagine what the feelings must have been, this era of uncertainty but also this sense of freedom, Freiheit, something to be celebrated, something to be celebrated. And there's something about the word freedom which I think resonates with us at a very deep level as human beings. There's a, there's a great poem by Maya Angelou called uh, Caged Bird. You see here, she says, The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown, but longed for still. And his tune is heard on the distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. This sense that, of course, Maya Angelou isn't really talking about birds, but the human spirit, but the sense that even in captivity, even when in a cage, what we yearn for, what we sing of, even if we maybe haven't experienced it, is freedom. And birds are perhaps the best picture we have of what it is to be free. Um, the school I used to work at has three floors with very high ceilings. And every time I used to go up to the third floor... I used to really experience 
how unfriendly gravity can be to us as humans. And yet when we see birds, we see them apparently defying the laws of gravity, certainly if they, if they catch the thermals, if they glide on, on the wind. Uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins, great Victorian poet, watched a wind hover, a falcon, and he wrote this, My heart in hiding stirred for a bird, the achieve of, the mastery of the thing. You watch a bird. If any of you have ever sailed across the English Channel, the French like to call it the French Channel, but anyway, um, actually they just call it the Channel. The English Channel, there's lots of seagulls that simply hitch a ride uh, from one side all 35, 40 kilometres to the other. Not sitting on the, on the ferry itself, because that would be cheeky, but they just glide in the slipstream. And they go up and down occasionally to show off, and, but they just glide. And you look at them and you think, the, the freedom that they have, because they literally have fish and chips one side of the channel. <laughs> and when they're bored with that, they can go back to Calais and have something else. Um, I don't know, anybody here ever been hang gliding or parachuting or parasending or anything like that? You're mad. Um, Anybody been parachuting? Yeah? Free fall or, you know, like that? This, by the way, I think is the worst name for a business ever. I... It's like a chocolate teapot company. Um, I was handed a leaflet for this um, company years ago at the metro station, and I Googled them, and they still exist. So, obviously, having a bad name doesn't necessarily mean death to your business. But if you parachute, I imagine that this is as close as we get. Or maybe those guys with the, the wingsuits who fly around, usually, sadly with a very high mortality rate. But that freedom, and surely the reason people do this is because they want to experience that feeling. Um, Freedom is something that many of us take for granted. If we weren't born uh, in a country and brought up in a country where there wasn't, in general, any freedom, we can so easily take it for granted. Uh, but I know there are people here who were born up, uh, born up, brought up, born behind the Iron Curtain, who had, to varying degrees, their freedoms curtailed, their freedom to meet in a place like this, perhaps, their freedom to worship, their freedom to do all sorts of things. And we have people here among us who experience that, people who have come here escaping from oppression or captivity or lack of freedom in other countries. Um, you know, the most severe form of punishment that roughly three-quarters of the world's countries can impose on us as individuals is to send us to prison, to take away our freedom. Uh, I hadn't really paid attention. I didn't know that we were going to put out the appeal for the um, Angel Tree Ministry today. But for those, was it 27,000 prisoners? They have had their freedom taken away. 
And in a, a previous life, years ago, I used to visit prisons quite often um, back in the UK. It doesn't matter how open or liberal or uh, soft the regimes are. There's nothing that takes away the fact that you have had your liberty taken away from you. You are a prison, a prisoner, and your freedom has gone. Um, and so freedom becomes something which stirs us. It's a word which moves me. Whether it's uh, Martin Luther Jr., Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous plea in his, uh, again, very famous speech of let freedom ring. We have, if you've visited our house, you'll know that we have a very noisy bell which is used to summon uh, people from all over the house and the garden when food is ready. And it's really loud. You can hear it anywhere in the house and anywhere in the garden. It rings. The idea that freedom rings, let freedom ring. And uh, Martin Luther King said, you know, let it ring from the snow-capped rockies of Colorado, just in case Drew and Becky are listening, to the molehills of Mississippi, that he wanted it to ring because when it rang from every hamlet, every village, every mountain, then every nation would be able to join together in the song, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty we're free at last. And of course he spoke to the African-American Population who wanted to experience the freedom that their white fellow citizens had. And the idea of freedom ringing, it touches our hearts, it touches my heart. Whether it's the, the gospel refrain in Bob Dylan's New Pony where the, the chorus sings, How much longer? Or U2's 40, where the song is, How long? to this, sing this song, this, this yearning for freedom. In the US, of course, it, the, the, uh, before emancipation, the slaves looked to the people of Israel in their, free, in their enslavement in Egypt. And you know, the, the well-known song, Go Down, Moses, Tell Old Pharaoh to let my people go. It was a touchstone song for the Underground Railroad. So freedom, you won't find many people that go, "Ah, no, we don't want freedom. We're in the midst of an election campaign in the UK at the moment. And however big, unreasonable, unlikely, implausible, the promises that are being made by the politicians, nobody's coming out and saying, you know what, this freedom thing, it's overrated. I promise you we'll give you less. Nobody's going to do that because freedom is universally valued. Thinking back to birds, a a great, uh, I'm a Bob Dylan fan, great Bob Dylan song, where he says this, and my friends from the prison, they ask unto me, how good, how good does it feel to be free? 
and I answer them most mysteriously, are birds free from the chains of the skyway. This freedom that we think we have, how free are we? When you get your freedom, how much do you cherish it? How much do you want to hold on to it? Even those of us who've not known a lack of political freedom or personal freedom, maybe never been to prison, never experienced that kind of restriction, how free are we? We find ourselves, and we use the language of lack of freedom or enslavement to talk about all sorts of things. We find ourselves enslaved to our circumstances that can restrict us. We can find ourselves slaves to our phones, our addictions, our jobs. You might be tied to your desk. Think about the language used there. We might be caught up, imprisoned by fear or anxiety. We might be experiencing despair, which is like a, a, a black, windowless box that closes in on us and, and, and reduces us to a, a huddled shape in the corner. Living in a free country, not living in prison, but absolutely constrained by things around us. We want, as Freddie Mercury said, to break free from these things. So freedom is something, an idea which can stir our souls, but it can be like trying to catch a cloud, grasping at something that appears to be there, but isn't, or can't be grasped. And when I was thinking about this and thinking about freedom, I couldn't get away from a couple of other words. When I was thinking about how freedom stirs me, and uh, those of you looking at your watch are thinking, oh, hang on, he's just like introductions, 20 minutes, and now he's introducing two more words. Oh, don't worry. Um, and those two words for me, they might be different for you, but those two words for me were, uh, says he, losing his place, love and justice. Love and justice. Justice stirs me. I don't know if this says I'm weird, but if I quite like reading judicial judgments in law reports. They can be dreadfully dull, but a well-argued legal point can stir us because it's, it's a beautiful thing. If you're, who's a math, anybody mathematicians here? Must have some mathematicians here, surely. Maths. I... Excellent, Cam. Don't quote me on this, but maths can be beautiful. I was talking to a retired professor of mathematics uh, last week, and he was explaining something to me. And for a moment, the, the, the fog lifted, and the sunny uplands of mathematical understanding were glimpsed in the distance... And they were beautiful, and I wanted to be there. And then he said something else, and the mist returned. (laughs) 
And I knew that I was never actually going to get there. But those who are blessed with that ability, it's a beautiful subject, the beauty of maths. But for me, justice is like that. Um, I don't necessarily mean like you know, Scott was talking about last week of hoping to call down lightning bolts on the, on the bad people in the world, which I'm very grateful for. But um, when justice is done, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing, excuse me. And love, of course, who can um, not be stirred by the idea of love. Okay, let's go back to the three little words in your bulletin. Positive, little, think. This uh, picture that you just saw on the screen might make sense to you. Does this make sense to anybody? There's a really interesting thing called What Three Words. It's an app, and they have a website. And they've taken the Earth's surface, and they've divided it up into three-metre squares. That's nine feet for English and American people, roughly. Three yards-ish. And they have given each square three unique words to identify them. Anybody want to guess how many squares that is to cover the Earth's surface, including the sea? They didn't mess about. Anybody have a guess? How many three-metre squares are there on the surface of the Earth? No. Ten trillion. It's actually not too far off. Fifty-seven trillion. Who knows what a trillion looks like? It's quite a lot. I'm going to show you very quickly, run through some slides. This is actually to do with money, but it helps us visualise these things. Uh, Here's a picture of $10,000. Okay? So if you have $100 notes, that's what $10,000 looks like. A million dollars. You'd think you'd feel pretty wealthy if you had a million dollars. It wouldn't necessarily... That's more than a million, isn't it? I think we've skipped a slide. That's a million. I, I, I think I'd be disappointed if somebody said to me, I've got a million dollars for you. And they took me into the room and they went, there it is. I thought, ah, it's a bit underwhelming. The next one is a billion. That's more like it. That's a standard palette. So, you know, the, your sugar comes on. feel pretty good with that. Now, a trillion. They're double stacked. The little fella in the corner is drawn to the same scale. That's quite a lot. And the earth is divided up into 57 of those squares, if each of those was a dollar bill. It's quite a big place we live on. As the, the American comedian Stephen Wright once said, uh, the earth's, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. Uh, it's a big place. It's 57 trillion squares. But they worked out, these clever folks, that with a fairly small number of words, you can give each three-metre square block of earth a unique identification. Why not use GPS, I hear you cry? Thank you. Uh, so... 
Where's my three words? Positive little think. The GPS location, roughly for that, is this. You'll see it on the screen. It's roughly where I'm standing. And we've got a slide with the numbers on, the GPS location. Have we? Here we go. Of course, the problem with this is you, you get it wrong. You know, if I put 1.4 rather than 14 east, I end up in France. It's not a bad thing. We've got the next slide. There's a picture of where I'll be. There we go. It's quite nice, quite close to Calais. I can get watch those seagulls on the ferry. Or if I type west instead of east, it can be a bit rough out there. If, if I go north instead of south, don't really want to be there. Um, it's really important. And so uh, what these people have done, particularly for the vast majority of the earth that have no addresses, if you live in a favela in, in Brazil or in a desert community in sub-Saharan Africa or in countless places around the world, you don't have a street name. You don't have uh, maybe even a town name. But you can say to the emergency services or to the post office, oh, come to Positive Little Think. And they'll find you within three, you know, with those three words, within three metres. And that's really where I want to come to in terms of the importance of words like freedom and love and justice. Our love for freedom is because we were created to be free. Our response to justice is because we were created in the image of a just God. And at some deep level, we respond to it. We are not these ineffective, broken, uh, hopeless creatures alone. We are all of those things, but we are God's special creation made in his image. And so when a word like freedom touches us, when a word like justice stirs something in us, it's because this is how we were designed to be. If we look at the verses that um, Michaela wrote, uh, read for us, um, Jesus quotes Isaiah, reads from Isaiah, and he says, uh, on to the next slide, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Freedom is pretty big in that passage that Jesus reads. As he started his ministry, as he went back to his hometown, he could have chosen anything from the Old Testament. It wasn't by chance that the scroll for Isaiah was passed to him. He could have chosen anything, and yet freedom is the dominant theme of what he chose to speak about. In Genesis 2, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, 
And he says to them, you are free to eat any tree from any tree in the garden. We were created to be free. Of course, that freedom was lost. The fall happened. Disobedience happened. Sin came into the world. But Paul, when he's writing to the Christians in Galatia, he says in Galatians 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And in verse 13, he comes back to this idea. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Perhaps as the idea of freedom is around because of the 30-year celebrations, perhaps as the idea of freedom is around because of a perception that our freedoms as individuals in societies across the globe are being curtailed, we're being manipulated or watched or surveilled or whatever it is, perhaps these are occasions where we can actually use this idea to talk to our, our friends at work, to talk to our classmates, our fellow students, our colleagues, the other parents at the creche, the parents at the school gate, in coffee shops, wherever it is we are, use this idea of freedom and to talk about not freedom from prison or freedom from... Uh, freedom of speech, all these things, but actually freedom that we were designed for. Freedom that God ordained for us, that we should be free. And in Christ, we are set free. The, uh, the great Christian philosopher uh, Francis Schaeffer I'm paraphrasing now because I couldn't find the exact reference. He talked about um, those who came to him and talked about what they called uh, you know, spiritual experiences, uh, things which defied comprehension. And other people who'd said, you know, I, f- I really feel that in this mystical moment I touched the divine. I touched what it is to be godly. And Francis Schaeffer suggested that occasionally at these moments, maybe listening to Beethoven's Ninth might be one of them, maybe standing on a mountain and looking down at the beauty of creation, actually what we occasionally get a glimpse of is our true humanity. Schaefer suggested that we sometimes see the mist part and we get an understanding of how we, how we should have been if we had not sinned. The, the people that we were created to be. And I think as we think about freedom, love, justice, there may be other words for you that resonate. It's because we get a sense, a glimpse, an understanding of who we should be. And if, if through obedience to his word, we learn to be free in Christ, then we get closer to being how God wants us to be.
It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus, of course, promised, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Why those three words? Uh, A lot of the people you meet, your family, your friends, workmates, whoever it is, are lost. Those three words can locate us on earth in one of 57 trillion squares. The words that reveal to us the good news of who we should be, who Christ has meant us to be, can locate us in this sometimes chaotic, sometimes often chaotic, confusing, scary, bewildering world. We need to come back to God's word and God's words. On the 20th anniversary of the, the library, the where the second most important thing in Prague Christian Library are the books. And of course, the most important thing is that they're put there to lead people to God, to the author of language, to the creator of language. Because with his word, he locates us where we should be in space-time history on this planet not down to a three-metre square, but to exactly, precisely where we should be in order to serve him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do want to thank you that uh, although at times we feel lost, at times we can feel bewildered, uh, you, you know us precisely. You know where we are, not just geographically, but you know where we are in relationship to you. You know how our hearts are sometimes frightened, sometimes despairing, sometimes overwhelmed with joy, and often all the shades of feeling between those. But you know us. You know who we are. You know where we are. You know our needs. And I just pray that as uh, we go out for the rest of this week, Lord, that you will make us conscious of who you want us to be. You give us a sense of that freedom that can only come from a saving relationship with your Son. For it is for freedom that he has set us free. And you will help us through your Holy Spirit to throw off the, the shackles, the chains, the things that tie us down. It could be work, money, addictions, all sorts of things, Lord. Help us to throw them off and to be free in your Son. And we ask it in his name. Amen.